do 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 cue intro music welcome back to sorry we're open i'm Lindsay and i'm jess and here we are why are you still here actually i know exactly why you're still here we're funny Hello, welcome back. Hello, hello. Um, before we get into this week's episode, we just wanted to record a little something in response to a DM we got. Yeah, so it was brought to our attention that our previous episode about yoga um, didn't at all address, you know, the cultural roots of yoga and where it comes from and what it means um, to, I guess different like religious groups yes yeah cultures Um, yeah and I think first of all we want to say we really appreciate the feedback I was just saying to Lindsay off mic that if you don't tell us we can't learn and we can't like continue to you know be as inclusive as as we want to be so first of all I want to thank the person that reached out to us and then I think I did some research of my own just um and we like Lindsay and I talked and looked into it because we thought it was important to give it to you all so um what I learned is that actually yoga originated in India um, like thousands and thousands of years ago. Um, and it was adapted from like ancient texts that first mentioned um, yoga. And it's also well, something else I didn't know is yoga is amongst the six schools of philosophy in Hinduism and also a major part of uh, Buddhism. So I'm now learning a lot about, you know, the impact it has within those um, religious communities and those different um, groups. And basically the language of yoga is Sanskrit. So my mom actually teaches yoga um, and she speaks, doesn't speak Sanskrit, but uses the Sanskrit terminology. So it was cool Mm -hmm. to learn that that Sanskrit is also some of the, like, it's the root of many Indian languages and it's one of the oldest languages in the world. So I think that we really appreciated this opportunity to come on and just like correct this and make sure we gave credit to where yoga is from. Because um, as the person who DM'd us pointed out, you know, the yoga that exists in the U.S. is a very westernized version of what yoga was initially created to be. And yes, it mm-hmm. has the same base of breath and movement, but it does have a very big religious um, and cultural significance. And so I think we both really appreciate the opportunity to mm-hmm. come on and like you know, and say this and give proper credit. And also, you know, it reminds us to always do that background research and to keep learning more because like you need to be aware. And so I guess, I don't know, Lindsay, if you have anything to add to that. No, no. And I totally agree. And like, not that this was necessarily like a wake up call for us, but I I, I do feel like, um, you know, we're going to learn from this experience. And like next time, I don't think something like this is going to happen. Um, so, yeah, but I, but again, I want to just reiterate everything Jess said. Like, we appreciate the feedback. We need the feedback. Um, and, you know, we want to have these conversations. Um, so thanks for that. Yeah. And so um, we encourage you to do your own research about these things and, you know, always communicate with us because we love that. But um, here's, here's our episode for the week. Yeah. And we're back. Hello, hello. Howdy. Hola. 
Ciao. Buongiorno. Oh, that was a good one. Oh, I think those might have been the same language, though. I was trying to go for French, but I no. couldn't. Oh, you know, buongiorno is Italian. Isn't but it? what's French? I don't know. I should know, though. I really feel like I should know. Okay, well, hi, everybody. What's up? <laughs> We're back. Back and better than ever. Um, yeah. Yeah, just an. Oh, it's bonjour. <laughs> I should have known that for sure. I also um, definitely should have known that. I studied abroad there for like five weeks over the summer. So, yeah, did you know she was there when France won the World Cup? <laughs> yes, I was. That's my fun fact for a lot of like work related things. People are like, no way. I'm like, yes. That's a pretty good one. That's Thank a pretty you. good one. Thank you. What is your fun fact when people ask you at work? So, at work, it depends. Are we playing two truths and a lie or are we not? Because my fun facts really depend on whether we're playing two truths and a lie. Okay, we're not. I that okay. game is too much for coworkers. So I guess if we're not playing two truths and a lie, I usually say that I don't have tonsils. Well, that's a good one. And, and then do you I, show your little tonsil on your bed that you have? I do show Tony the tonsil. Oh, I always um, forget his name is Tony. <laughs> yes. For all unaware, I have a stuffed tonsil. I received it as a gift after my surgery when I was a ripe age of 18. <laughs> but yes, that's, that's my fun fact if we're not playing True Truths and a Lie. Because right, I, I really try to be tricky for True Truths and a Lie. All right. Okay. I was going to say you have to – I think you need to do the Two Truths and a Lie now. Okay. Okay. So we have – I'm a black belt in Taekwondo. Okay. I've been, I've been snowboarding since I was two. Okay. And I'm scuba diving certified. Okay. I know the answer. Should we, should we tell everyone or should we make them wait for the end of the episode? Oh, my God. We should totally make them wait. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Right. You guys have to wait. But um, <laughs> submit your answers. What do you think? <laughs> I got – I tricked everybody at work when I played this. So, yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't have any off the top of my head, but maybe that will be a post for a later date. I will mm. let it marinate. All right, Lens, what are we talking about today? Um, so today I think we should talk about sexuality. She Very acts as if we have not planned that we were going to talk about that. <laughs> She's trying to be super sly, guys. I'm just going to pull this one out. I'm just been marinating on it. What I got. <laughs> yeah, well, the thing is, I don't really know what direction we are going to go with this because there are so many directions sexuality is such a broad topic and i know recently um was transgender day of visibility um also little nas x came out with his song montero call me by your name which sparked um a huge internet debate um and so yeah and so also just i guess me figure out my figuring out my own sexuality and gender preferences and gender expression and gay shit like that so <laughs> i absolutely loved your lead into this episode Lindsay. extremely you thank so you Lindsay and, I, Lindsay and i each pick picked an episode that like we were gonna create on our own and this was Lindsay. so Lindsay's in charge today guys i relinquished control which is which is crazy because it's not crazy but jess usually is like really good at steering the conversation um, so and today I am a passenger. 
Lindsay is driving and I am the passenger. And there is no agenda. So just bear that in mind as you come with us on this journey. Um, so I think, firstly, I did want to talk about um, Little Nas X's music video. Um, That's or, big T. Huge T. Not only did it spark, like, sexuality debates, but it also sparked religious debates, which I think we could get into, like, a whole nother episode about that. So It's, it's funny because... As many people know, I'm a fan of the TikTok. Um, the I TikTok. Was, the TikTok. I really was – I resisted for a long time. And then, you know, the global pandemic, my morals on apps went out the window, seeing as I have over 3,000 3, levels on Candy Crush, and I love TikTok. So <laughs> clearly I have no standards for things. But – People were like, really? There was a lot of hot topic on TikTok whenever it came out. So I finally was like, okay, got to watch it. I don't know what I was expecting, but like I wasn't expecting what I got. I was like, holy guacamole. Now, it was fucking cool. But I just, I don't know why. I don't know what I thought it was going to be. But I never thought in my lifetime I'd watch Little Nod's ex give Satan a lap dance. Like that's not an imagery I ever thought I'd have. No. And it was epic. Yeah, it was fantastic. But I agree. Like, never in my, you know, 22 years of living was I was like, no, I'm never going to see anybody really give Satan a lap dance. So, um, but I think with that, and then also, you know, with the stripper pole down to hell and the way he dressed in those tall boots, there was a lot that he was, you know, saying suggestively with his gender expression, his sexuality. Um, and I think, I think we should ignore the same part for at least, you know, a little bit. Because <laughs> we're just going to take, we're not talking about the religious elements of it. If you want to debate us on that, different episode, we're not focusing on the Satan parts. Right. We will focus on that maybe another time. But I think. Tabling it. Yes. <laughs> um, but a huge thing with the Little Nas X music video was. A lot of people were like, I can't believe, you know, this is what our kids watch this, like, and all this other shit. Like, this is supposed to be your role model, like, for kids. <laughs> and it's ridiculous because, A, is it really Lil Nas X job to, uh, oh, okay. Like, imagine it's Lil Nas X's job to uphold the moral integrity like of your children like to like it's his job to teach them like bitch that's your job (laughs) as a parent (laughs) i also think that there's like i think as soon as someone doesn't like something they're like but the children it's always about the children and i try to think about the child who may be seeing that and seeing someone who like identifies maybe the way they do or is something they've like thought about but have feel that felt like ashamed for thinking like that like I try, I'm like well what about that kid who sees like little Nas x in high leather boots and is like yes, yes. I want those I want to wear those I want to be those because it's funny because we actually I drove to Vermont to see my sister and my mom and my aunt were having a conversation about gender where they were asking some like questions about because I think our generation is just a little more in the swing 
of it. And so we were having this conversation where, you know, my mom has taken a real active effort to like learn new things and learn about gender and sexuality and expression and how, you know, your biological sex does not match your gender identity, which has nothing to do with who you're attracted to. Like she's yes. really took a lot of time <laughs> to listen. And we, we talked about this in the car and one thing um, I was saying to them a lot is I was like, you have to start thinking of gender on like a spectrum, not that you're a boy or a girl or or what you like there's no you don't have to be in a box it can be this like gradient where you can move left and right depending on the day maybe some days you're feeling more one way maybe you're feeling more I don't even want to use boy and girl as the spectrum ends because I don't because gender is a construct and so (laughs) yes (laughs) say it louder for people in the back (laughs) but I essentially said to my mom I was like stop thinking about it as a box think about it as like a never-ending slider where you never have to stay anywhere on the slider you don't have to you don't have to like stay in one place. You don't have to feel like – I think that hopefully we're continuing to move towards a place where you can be wherever you want to fall on that and like no offense, who the fuck cares? Yes, exactly. But I think the issue was that a lot of people had was just that they weren't okay with one last ex on a stripper pole or in the tight shorts he was wearing or the high boots that he was wearing – um, and I think it, it, it just proves that all these people that we thought were like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I like the gays, like go gays. It's like all those people are really just okay with it as long as it's not like in their face and they're actually, you know, pretty homophobic, like time and time again, it, it just, it, it comes down to that fact, like okay, people are okay with it as long as they don't see it. But, like, we see straight media all the time. Um, a lot of queer media is uh, people. All the gay characters get killed off. Just a fact in, like, all the queer media ever. And there's just a lot less of it. So it's, I don't know, it's just frustrating that, you know, we have this awesome person who is out and proud um kind of he's taking on this burden of all this hate and shit <laughs> you know for like being himself and and all the while we're, we're thinking that we as a society are progressive when we're really not we love the cloak of progressiveness yeah like we love to say we're and i'm saying we're like i think some people in our society really like to think they're progressive, but they wouldn't stand up for it. They're not going to say something against someone in their life for it. They're just like a passive part of the system. Like it's that, I think, you know, in a way it's kind of like you have to be anti whatever. You can't just be like not something. So you can't just be not racist. You have to be anti-racist. I think like though different, I think it's kind of a similar concept where you need to continue to support a group and uplift a group you can't just be like a bystander to it. And I think you bring up an interesting point about media. And I think you are actually the one who told me this. And so hopefully you can speak to it more about the lack of like romance movies depicting like gay couples mm-hmm. or like queer couples. Like I think <laughs> I'm pretty sure you're the one who told me this. <laughs> but I I think that like that was something that I never had even crossed my mind. And you told me and I was like, what? Yeah, there's like 
none of it. And, you know, when there is, recently there's been a couple movies and I, all the names escaping me, but there was one in French. And But the point being that these are all, like, period pieces of white women who, like, need to hide their love, you know, one of one of the best part one of my favorite parts so i'm gonna go back a little bit it's still about media so Shit's creek um is such an awesome example of how queer couples should be portrayed in the media because it depicts patrick and david in this healthy happy relationship you know where there's no downtrodden huge disaster that leads them to breaking up or someone cheats or someone dies like it's just it's a happy ending and they kiss on screen like many many times like over a hundred times I think I read or around 150 times in the six seasons that the show had Um, because even when we do have queer couples like recently I've been watching Modern Family and Cam and Mitch on the show they I, I'm up to like season seven now. I think I've seen them kiss like three times. And those are long ass seasons. So it's just, there's so much d- wrong with the way that we portray, portray, I was going to say portray and depict, <laughs> the way we depict queer. Portrait. <laughs> portrait. <laughs> the way we um, depict queer characters in the media. Um, it's either sad and depressed or it's just white women with no intersectionality at all like you know they're both lesbians they're you know both women there's no non-binary no people of color um so it's just it's a very limited you know because like when I was exploring my sexuality I was like trying to find these movies and you know we had like but I'm a cheerleader and blue is the warmest color and all my fellow queers out there will know what I'm talking about like Jess is like what the fuck (laughs) (laughs) well I mean this isn't I think I not that you're the guest but I'm gonna ask you some questions (laughs) I think when I'm thinking about this this is something that before you had told me that I had literally never thought about not one time I'm gonna call a spade a spade never (laughs) and so now that I'm having some reflection through all the movies I've watched in my lifetime some more trashy than others but Linz, when you think about like situations that can be potentially harmful or negative, you know, because what I can now think of is when I'm reflecting, I feel like a lot of them are like closeted alpha males who like end up like hooking up with someone in secret and then like mm-hmm. in this big public horrible thing call them some horrendous homophobic slur publicly because they're like self-shamed. Right. Are you talking about perks of being a wallflower? So that that's was, one of them, right. but like I'm sure I've, I feel like I've seen that in that scene play out like oh in multiple times yeah mm-hmm. and so like from your perspective as someone who was exploring their sexuality maybe still is exploring their sexuality still like, am <laughs> I feel like it might be a permanent thing like mm-hmm. how did those scenes kind of affect you in exploring that like because I feel like a lot of those repetitive negative scenes of like the concept that you have to have this shame. Right, we have to, like, hide our love. Um, yeah, like, I guess, either how did that impact you? How do you think that impacts the community? I know this yeah. is not supposed to be me in charge, but here I am. <laughs> no, I love it. I love when you ask good questions like that. So I think, you know, it's it's a couple different things. So 
I guess specifically in the situation that you mentioned, um, I guess around surrounding, you know, alpha males being outwardly like homophobic and then being closeted gay, like that's such a stereotype. Um, and then it being portrayed very aggressively in media um, was, it affected me because I internalized that kind of homophobia. I, I was like, oh, so he's homophobic. He's definitely secretly gay. Like, why the, why the fuck, why was I thinking that? Like, so that affected my perception on the queer community. Um, I can't say, you know, as a gay guy or, you know, I, I can't say how it felt in that aspect because I can't relate to it like that. But I think similarly, just seeing queer characters go through trauma especially around like coming out and you know not being accepted by their friends or their family um was tough because i it i literally just came out to my how old am i 22 i literally just came out to my dad like six months ago because not even his fault um but <laughs> it was just because of all the negative stuff i've seen about particularly fathers having poor reactions to their kids coming out so like that was another thing for me i just i i kept it all inside because i was like oh my god there's all this negativity surrounding being queer i can't tell anybody yeah i think it's interesting because like the dichotomy of like when you talk about having some of this internalized shame and having this you know all these all the difficulties and the burdens that people in the LGBTQ plus community deal with. And then the way in which then the complete opposite end of that spectrum, the way sometimes, you know, the the pride, the rainbow flag, the outward flamboyancy, like I feel like oftentimes in media and other situations, it's like the two the two extremes. You're either yeah. like an internalized like shame ball of human or you're this like running around in bright colors waving a flag screen. Like I feel like I feel like these extremes are difficult for someone maybe who's just because at the end of the day these are just normal people living right. normal lives. Like right. why do we have to go to this like you're either a you know doing a circus act or you're crying in the corner. Like what I right, exactly. It's it, And it's so difficult because a lot of these times, you know, like you said, people are not on these two extremes. Like, people are somewhere in the middle. And it's so difficult when you're only seeing these two extremes to be like, oh, like, what does someone normally do? And which is why I want to go back to Shiz Creek because it's just so commonly accepted. And one of my favorite scenes in that whole show um, is when David and <laughs> Stevie are they're talking about um you know the different kinds of wine they like it's a little bit of an insinuation but stevie goes you know i like red wine and i only like red wine and david goes yeah like i like red wine but i also prefer i also like white wine um and sometimes i'll go for a rosé you know so just depicting, you know, the the gender spectrum that we were talking about, but like just so 
even even that little insinuation, like you knew what they were talking about, um, and you know David is out to his family and friends, and everyone, you know, openly talks about it and is not like awkward about it. But he's also not going around wearing a rainbow flag around his head. Um, it can so just, I just be like a, a part of his identity. Yeah, exactly. It's not like David is not a gay man. You know, he's someone who is gay. And that, that person, I think that person first language, that it's just like a part of them. Like mm-hmm. I took a class on like health identities and we talked a lot about this person first language and about how people often get put into these boxes and they're like evaluated based on their box instead of like looking at like a person as a whole, like someone's, you know, gender identity or their sexuality is just a part of like who they are. And I think this, the word normal is, I think, some of the worst word one can exist because when we create a stereotype of what normal is, we are excluding so many people. So I really have tried to reframe normal in my life. Like I work like often with um, people with autism and oftentimes, you know, something I work, I work um, – with a lot of different children with different developmental disorders or different, you know, mental health diagnoses. And oftentimes in, you know, the lay world, people use normal as a way to describe children without, um, you know, some kind of learning difficulty, um, et cetera. And something we say at work, which instead of saying normal, people say typically developing Mm -hmm. or like, and I just think it has a much better connotation than normal because, you don't have to – I don't think – I think everyone has their own normal. Like, right. We're not all going to fit in this normal box. So I think that thinking about the way in which you're talking about David being portrayed and clearly I need to give Shit's Creek another try. Um, oh, my God. I forgot I was talking to you. You're like the yeah, only you one – You're like the only one of like all my close friends who – I tried really hard, Lindsay. You didn't try I that I tried hard. really hard. I watched like the first six episodes I couldn't get into. I really wanted to. People tell me I would love it. I'm like, I'll give it another go. I'll give it another go just for you. Um, but I think it's really interesting to think about like how could we work on creating characters in the media that don't, like you said, aren't going to like explode and die in season one or aren't these like extreme, extreme examples. Yeah, and – you know, I, I, I'm not in film, I'm not in media, and I don't pretend to know, you know, what the solution is, but I think having positive portrayals of queer characters can only benefit, you know, and not in either extreme. So, and I think intersectionality matters as well, because um, a lot of times it's just a bunch of white cis people, you know, just hanging out, doing their thing. Well, yeah, and I think that... <laughs> I think that I've said this before and publicly and privately that I became a lot more aware of sexuality and things surrounding sexuality being friends with you, Lynn's. And like, it's interesting because speaking of intersectionality is I'm in a work group at work where we talk a lot about how do we make our workplace more inclusive? How do we, I work in research, how do we make it more inclusive for participants, whether that's, you know, inclusive of inclusive of like socioeconomic status, race, gender, identity, et cetera. Like how do we make it more inclusive? And I've been thinking a lot about as 
like a cisgender white woman, how do I create space for other women who have different, you know, different identities, who don't have the privilege I do sitting in a room or walking down the street, et cetera. And it was something I was explaining to my mom to, in the car in the same conversation we were talking about pronouns. And my mom was like, well, I, I just sometimes use their names so I don't misgender them. And I'm like, great. That's great. Awesome, Denise. Love that. Great job, mom. 10 out of 10. But I was like, but I was like, think about it. I was a cisgender woman. If you are in the meeting and my mom's, you know, been working for a long time. And I was like, if you introduced yourself as, you know, hi, my name is, you know, Denise, whatever my pronouns are, she, her, hers. I was like, as a cisgender white woman, you give the space now for someone else in the room who maybe's pronouns are different. Maybe they prefer to go by something else. You know, I was like, you provide this space so that if someone else in the room wants to have that opportunity, you took, you who are in that privileged position gives the space for that. And so I've been thinking about that a lot with my identities of being white, with my identities being, you know, cisgendered. I've, I've thought a lot about like, how do I create that space? How do I think about how can I empower others or how can I just create an opportunity if someone else wants to have the floor that maybe doesn't feel as confident in that environment as I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's tough. And I don't, I hate, devil's advocate is like not a thing, but I, one, one other side of what you were just talking about that I saw was that sometimes in those circles, if you have to go around and like share your name and your pronouns, sometimes you're unintentionally outing someone um, cause then they'll have to give their pronouns or they'll have to lie about their pronouns. So I think, I, I think it's always being, I guess, conscious of the space that you're in. So I just, I wanted to just make a note of that. And I'm not saying that it's wrong. No, no, that's a good point and interesting because, and one I don't think about, like, yeah, I don't, I think, because when I think oftentimes about what ways can I be more inclusive, like what ways can I create that space in my life? Like, it's so important to hear someone say that. So that's something I can think about. Like, because maybe I thought the solution was introducing myself with my pronouns, but maybe the solution is I just put my pronouns in my name so that it on Zoom, because we all work on Zoom. But so if <laughs> someone else wants to, or someone else feels empowered to that they can, but then they don't have to. Like, right. I think it's good to think about how do we both educate and empower and be an advocate for those around us. And so I don't think you were playing devil's advocate there. I think that was a nice way of saying you were giving me another perspective, which is so important. And I think that if we all could talk to each other a little better, which is something we're working on, (laughs) then we could have those like kind of productive conversations like that. Um, I guess, I guess I don't know how much you want to talk about this, but I mean, talking about your like your own journey and like you mentioned that you just came out to your dad six months ago, which I obviously cried when you told me, but that's irrelevant to this whole story. But like, <laughs> I cried I guess, too. <laughs> I guess like kind of, I don't know kind of how you wanted to go around that path. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think it's important to share because um, everyone has different experiences. So I could, I guess I could go through my coming out story. Um, why not? I've shared my entire life on this platform. So <laughs> what's one more story? Um, yeah. So let's see. So when I was younger, I didn't really know any better. Um, I, hindsight's twenty twenty. So I'm telling this from, you know, a looking back <laughs> perspective. Um, but I always had like, it, it was always like, oh, my friend, she's so pretty. 
And, you know, that, that was all it ever was. But looking back on it, I was like, oh, I totally had a crush on her and things like that. Um, and then, so I ended up dating my best friend in high school, um, who was a girl. Didn't end in the best way, but that was my first experience uh, with a woman. And when that ended, I was really upset, like really upset. Um, and so that's when I told my mom. I was like, hey, by the way, for the past nine months, I was dating so-and-so. And my mom at that point was a little bit more upset that I lied to her um, rather than, you know, just tell her the truth or rather than, you know, being upset that I was gay. Um, a couple years later, I ended up coming out to my brother, um, who at the time was a 16-year-old boy at a private white school. Um, He's probably like, cool. <laughs> no, he was literally like, oh, okay. <laughs> he was like, that's cool. And he goes, I, I think people should love who they want to love. And I was like, Yes. 10 points. 10 points. Uh, like, Good job. Such grace and poise as a, you know, a 16 year old boy can have. Um, we are proud of you. Yeah. We're really I don't proud know of if him. we could say your name out loud. I don't want to, you know, we're proud of you. <laughs> um, yeah. So that made me emotional too. Um, and then Man, you should make that TikTok where like rating the way people reacted to me coming out to them. <laughs> you oh, give them a 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. Yes. And then one of my other favorite ways that I came out to someone was, um, so then I got, so that was like around the time of college. I think it was a little bit after, but during the beginning of college, freshman year, I remember very distinctly, my friends and I were walking across campus to go to the Thai place on the other side of campus. I think it was Thai kitchen. The best <laughs> yes. electric if you live near yes. or around Bethlehem, PA, Thai kitchen. Thai kitchen. Fantastic. Um, we were walking over there. And I think we were talking about, like, exes or someone, um, and, like, I spat out, like, Bleh. I dated a girl in high school. And my friends who were with me were like, okay, so what are you getting for dinner tonight? <laughs> and you were like, I was like, okay, oh, I, I was thinking, like, some pad thai or, like, drunken noodles, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> some egg rolls. Spring rolls. Some egg rolls, spring rolls, whatever, yeah. <laughs> um, so that was another great way. So... In my coming out journey, I found when I was, you know, a little bit less confident in my sexuality that I used to be like, I dated a girl in high school because I didn't, you know, know how to say like, oh, I'm bisexual or even if that's what I identify as. And even now still, I'm like, am I bi? I don't know. I like people, I, whatever. <laughs> um, so even now, you know, I'm exploring my own sexual identity and it, and the thing is, like, I don't need to put myself in a box and people don't need to put themselves in a box. Like, you don't need to label yourself. So recently I've been saying, like, oh, I'm queer or oh, I'm gay. And I, you know, use gay as an umbrella term and queer as, as an umbrella term, which feels like it fits me at the moment because that's what, that's who I am. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. I was just trying to have a moment if you, if you ever told me or I just knew. I don't think I ever actively I don't think like, you made like a formal announcement, like give me a, a paper, typed letterhead, <laughs> dearest Jessica, I just wanted to tell you. Like I just feel like something I just knew. Yeah, I think and that's another thing too. Like I coming out is such a big deal and it doesn't need to be. And I would love 
you know, if everyone just knew. I'm not going to tattoo, like, I'm gay on my forehead, but, like, I, but I feel like, I mean, I, I guess I wouldn't fucking know, but it just, <laughs> and I, it didn't phase me. I was, it didn't, right. like, I, I don't, I'm trying not to use the word normal because I just went on for five minutes about not using normal, but it was just like, it was just a part of you. It didn't. Right. It was like, there's Lindsay. Right. And, or a yeah. boy or whoever. <laughs> doesn't matter. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, and which is, you know, how I guess I would want it to happen in the future, but it's just like coming out is such a big deal. Um, and there's really no reason for it <laughs> in my opinion. Um, and I, I know some people make a big deal out of it or want to make a big deal out of it, which is great. And that was not my style. I didn't really need to go around like telling people. Um, I kind of just like let people assume, which I was fine with. Um, so it, it, you know, it, that's such a personal journey. And for me, it was just like, if people know they know, great. I don't need to outwardly tell anybody if they see me kissing a girl in Molly's, so be it. Like... <laughs> A personal favorite of mine. <laughs> a personal favorite. Diffmo and Molly's. A public Diffmo and Molly's. Where I was yeah. like, there she is. Yeah. Um, so, like, whatever happens, happens. And, you know, that's that's kind of in my vibe. And then... Um, and I've been lucky and fortunate in the sense that, you know, no one my age has really had a negative... Uh, reaction to me coming out or even my parents my mom initially was like didn't really understand but she asked questions and you know I explained it to her and my dad and I I mean we were a little bit drunk and we cried on the way home from a brewery um so like that was positive it was like a good cry <laughs> um but like again like everyone experiences it differently and I, I like don't want to take away from the people who have tough experiences coming out and parents can't come out of the house because that happens and it's not just like a movie thing like that actually happens um and especially even though um it shouldn't necessarily be like this but you know I, I've known people who have come out as trans and it's way harder for them than you know just liking the same gender um so <laughs> God, it's like this whole whirlwind and, you know, we could keep going on and on and on about this because there's so much to dissect. Um, I guess my question, another question, Lindsay, is when you think about, like, allies in your life or, like, how, what is, like, the best way for someone, I guess you are not the community, but I'm asking you (laughs) as a member, like, how, because there's a lot of different things, like, that people talk about and the news tells me and like you know and like I said I'm trying to think a lot about the space I take up in the world and how I lift others in that space you know like what's the best thing someone who wants to be an ally can do or who who is trying to be an ally or mm-hmm. you know love someone who is you know identifies with that community like how 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 what should we do right um and like you said you know I'm I'm speaking for myself um and, you know, this may work for other members of the community, but I'm speaking towards my experiences. Um, one of the things that I found helpful was <clears throat> I was in a sorority with over 100 women. Um, and we had fun little date parties. Uh, and, you know, we'd have to, like, fill out forms and, you know, for crush parties where you would take your crush. Um, and I very remember, like, one of the questions was, 
like which mans are you taking and then like their address and I was like hmm sorority of over a hundred women I am not the only gay person (laughs) Um, I remember that because I remember throughout the course of our four years in our sorority you changed a lot of language again a lot of different forms like whether it was our like risk management forms whether it was our dating party mm-hmm. like I just remember you really went you really advocated for that and it was I think has become that lasting change and it's something that is so easily fixed yeah and I would I, you know I would hope it still pers- persists in our sorority but yeah so then I just asked the person who made the change I was like hey, like, I'm definitely not the only queer person here, and, like, maybe we could just change mans to person um, and things like that. So I, inclusive language, <laughs> language and words that you use have such an impact that people don't even realize, you know, words have such powerful impact. And so I think inclusive language is a big one, written or spoken, um, like, referring to someone's partner as their partner or referring to someone that you don't know their gender as they them like we do that all the time like oh someone left their umbrella in the office and you know and then people and their animals are like oh what a cute girl and the, and the owner is like mm, it's a boy and then you're like oh what a cute boy and then it's like why can't we do that with people too so i i think just being wait oh, i love that <laughs> um so i don't know in my experience like being open-minded and being inclusive language because people feel very easily left out when you know like oh like are everyone's boyfriends coming this weekend you know for a girl's trip and it's like well like my girlfriend's gonna come too or you know you know so so things like that um and I guess just being aware of the people that you're around and you know and you know being helpful like they're just like there for your queer friends um Oh my god, we forgot to tell everyone that you made it out of the bedroom. Oh my god. Yes, I made it out of my parents' bedroom. So exciting. So Lindsay has sirens in the back. I'm in New York City. I'm not telling you where, so you can't stalk me because as a woman, (laughs) I know I'm laughing, but it's not funny. (laughs) No, I think that those all those points are really helpful because I think I always, like I said, I'm really trying to think about like what I can do and you know, reading and just being the the awareness level, I think, is important. And yes. Yeah. And I think this is a topic we'll continue to kind of explore on the podcast because it's one that you really care about and it's one that I'm always interested in learning more about. So it's cool. Yeah. And I think it has a lot of different facets too. Like sexuality is such a broad term, you know. Um, and we can even get into like gender expression and, you know, how you dress and how I dress personally um, and things of that nature. Um, there's always so much to unpack here in a good way. Um, and I just also want to share that like sexuality is like not just for the gays, <laughs> like we don't own sexuality. <laughs> um, because, you know, Jess, like you could embrace your sexuality as a woman and feel confident in what you wear and what you do and, you know, not be attacked for like sleeping with people and then like oh she's such a whore and like things like that so you like no I think that's such a good thing to say out loud because I think often I am like 
I'm like, well, well, technically, I all I too have sexuality. It's like a just, concept, like crazy. <laughs> wild thought, but it, no. But I think that's a really good point because something I think that the LGBTQ community is great is really in, many people do embrace it, and it kind of inspires me sometimes to want to like embrace it more publicly because I think. Sometimes you're taught to be like this, you know, we talked about it in weeks past as a woman to be this or be that, to be, you know, don't dress too showy. But I think, I think that's important to hear you say and, and important for me to remember that I too can embrace my own sexuality. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be this, what stereotypically I would think of. Right. Yeah. Like the queers don't have a monopoly on sexuality. They're not the only owners. No, no, we are, no, we are not. Um, By Broadway, it's not like buying sexuality for four hundred fifty dollars on the Monopoly board. No yeah, no, yeah, no, that's not it. Um, but yeah, like Jess said, we could. I mean, I personally could talk about this for hours. So I think you know maybe there'll be a sexuality part two episode. Maybe more focused on whatever. Send in your thoughts if you have <laughs> thoughts. If you want to be a guest and talk about sexuality, I love geeking out about queer stuff. Also, if you're straight. You must go watch. You have two homework assignments. You must watch two movies. You must watch But I'm a Cheerleader and Blue is the Warmest Color. Those are two movies for queer women specifically. I mean, anybody, but for queer women uh, to grow up with. And I just want to know your thoughts as a straight person on it because you'll see why. You will see why. Um... And, you know, those being, like, the main movies that people think of when they think of queer media needs to be changed. But I would anyway. like it to be known that I just Googled, but I'm a cheerleader. The first sentence of the Wikipedia reads, I'm a cheerleader is a 1999 American sat- satirical romantic comedy um, where Natasha Leone stars as Megan Bloomfield, a high school cheerleader whose parents send her to a residential inpatient conversion therapy camp to cure her lesbianism. Mm-hmm. 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 So, anyway, homework assignments. So, I want to hear thoughts on those movies if you're straight and haven't seen them, or if you're also queer and haven't seen them. Love to hear your thoughts. And, yeah, I just... But anyway, back to being a guest. <laughs> I love geeking out on queer culture, so or queer anything. Queer. Queer. I'm just going to keep saying queer. Um, so, Jess, I guess you could do the rest of the spiel. Follow us on Instagram at Sorry Robin Podcast, where we post fun polls and sometimes embarrassing pictures of Lindsay. I have a full album, so maybe we'll get one this week. Oh my God. Um, fuck. Lindsay? Don't even get me started. You kept me singing the 100 tampons in the last episode, so there will be revenge on that one. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. I think we should link the TikTok. I think we should link that this yeah, week. Yeah, if you've never seen the 100 tampons TikTok, I don't know what to tell you. It's electric. Um, it, it really is. Like Lindsay said, you're interested in being a guest, hit our line. We have some fun people lined up but are always looking for more friends. Um, but yeah, that's it for this episode. Yeah, I think that wraps it up. So um, anyway, be gay, I guess.